Today we're continuing our discussion of VR game demos by talking about Into the Darkness VR, an action-adventure title that is inspired by Boneworks, Half-Life Alex, and more. But does it live up to the hype? Hello, and welcome to Head-Mounted Destinations. This is a podcast about VR and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and provide a peek behind the curtain into how VR games are made. I'm Matt, and I'm a gameplay engineer. And I'm Carlos. I'm a level designer. Today, we're continuing our discussion on VR game demos from Steamfest, and we are focusing on a single game, Into the Darkness VR. Into the Darkness is an action-adventure game built around physics mechanics, It's set in the near future, and players will find themselves navigating through environments, solving puzzles, and engaging with enemies. All in the hopes to uncover a deep, dark mystery by some weird corporation. That comes straight from the description. Before we jump into the nitty-gritty of the game, it's worth pulling out and discussing who's making this game, who's publishing this game, because that actually is an interesting lens to look at it through. Yeah, I think it's really good to shout out the like developer and give some context to, you know, what this game is, who made it, you know, how difficult would it have been to make it, and so on. The developer is Cosmos Game, which is a new small Vietnamese studio. I believe it's only two people, two developers working on this game. And uh, for publishing, they have partnered with Playway and Game Boom VR, which, Matt, I think you're much more familiar with. Playway is a name that some people who have their finger on the pulse of game publishing might be familiar with. You certainly might recognize some of the games that they've published uh, if you are into certain corners of PC gaming. To to clarify the difference between a developer and a publisher, for those of you who might not be aware of what each do, the developer is the actual group that writes the code and drives the development of the game, whether that's making assets or coming up with designs and just putting it all together. Now, Aspects of that can be outsourced, and a lot of the time a publisher might be involved with that. But the publisher helps get the game made and then get it out there, right? They publish it, so that can either be marketing, or if you're going to release a physical disc, it's getting the disc pressed, or keeping their finger on, you know, what are the trends of the market, what will do well, what will actually get the game to sell for money. That's what the publisher is about. And so often developers will make deals with publishers around a single game or maybe for a set of three games or something like that, a publishing deal. So Playway is interesting. Uh, let me just give an example of some of their games. I, I guess House Flipper is one that people might be familiar with or Thief Simulator or Car Mechanic Simulator by chance yeah a lot of simulator type games from this publisher just a lot of like no uh, yeah it seems like just a lot of simulator type games even though they're not just called straight up simulator we see a lot of things that are like motorcycle mechanic i am your president we the revolution and i'm assuming all of these are like simulations of being the president or running for president you know starting a revolution or you know fending off a revolution They even have Drug Dealer Simulator. Let's kind of get out of the simulators. Well, so one game that I do want to call out is I Am Jesus Christ, which is interesting (laughs) because they just released a, like, cinematic... It was clearly, like, a pre-rendered trailer that 
was not about gameplay. It was just hitting the beats of a trailer in this sort of for this sort of niche game concept. And it was really they just put it out there on a Steam page to judge interest. I mean, that's what was going on. And I they tend to do that with a lot of games where they will, as the publisher, come up with a concept that they think will hit a particular niche in the market. And they will maybe create a set of features that people would be interested in, uh, especially if it's a simulator game. It's like, oh, people who would play, people who would want to buy a simulator about this subject would want to see X, Y, and Z features. They would make a trailer that shows those gameplay elements, but not actually running in a game. It's it's just sort of mocked up and, and quote unquote faked. And then they judge interest. And if there's enough interest, then they will partner with one of their developer studios and get the game made. Now, this is kind of inverted from how it typically works. Usually the, the developer is the driving creative force behind the game. They A developer comes up with a game idea and pitches it to a, a publisher. And then the publisher says, yeah, okay, we'll spend money to get this game idea made. And so what, this ultimately results in a lot of Playway games are sort of notorious for feeling unfinished or not polished or just sort of dull and like not quite all fitting together in terms of like design or or gameplay feel. Um, And they will also just drop a game if it's not performing uh, in terms of sales and, and just leave it unfinished, which I'm not here to judge the ethics of that, but it's just an interesting trend to note especially in relation to Into the Darkness VR, which is also published by Playway. Mm-hmm. And I think keeping that in mind of that that trend really sheds light on some of the issues that we had with Into the Darkness. I think that leads us very well into, you know, what did we think of the game? And I'm going to just sort of start with the mechanics of it. There were a lot of mechanics that I enjoyed the first time that I ran into them, but in this title, and I'm just speaking broadly as an overview right now, in this title, when all of these popular mechanics got recreated or whatever, they just, they're not coalescing in a way that their original counterpart did. And they are not as smooth as their original counterparts. So it just feels very... I I understand it's a demo, but there are just like fundamental things that feel off. Like it almost feels like um, someone copied homework a little bit and then like changed the answer halfway or just like shifted the handwriting a little bit. So in, in in contrast to Against, which we talked about last week, which felt like a really neat intersection of Beat Saber, Until You Fall, and Pistol Whip, this game feels like someone took a look at the leading action-adventure titles in VR, which would be like Half-Life Alex, Boneworks, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, and said... Yeah, let's do all the stuff that people like from these games and put them together into one game. That'll make a good game. And so we see the backpack inventory from Saints and Sinners. We see the sort of physics-based scavenging and the force pull at a distance from Half-Life Alex. We see the physics-based locomotion from Boneworks. We see the puzzle solving from Boneworks. Yeah. But like we even see some puzzles directly from Half-Life Alex. Like granted, I guess these are more archetypal, but like 
I think in the first five or so minutes, when you have a valve to rotate and there's right next to you like a lead pipe, it's exactly that puzzle from Half-Life Alex where you have the uh, bicycle wheel and you have to crank it to lift up some dead guy who gives you like your shotgun, right, in Half-Life Alex. And when you crank up the wheel and you're supposed to either like force pull the shotgun off the guy or I think you had a pipe near you that you had to then jam into the bike wheel. There was like a break in the spokes so that the you know wheel didn't turn back when you let go so that that same exact puzzle is here in the first like five minutes of the game where you got to like turn this valve wheel to lift up a like metal garage door type device and then grab the pole next to you and shove it in there uh I like this type of puzzle. I am fine with them copying that type of archetypal puzzle. It just goes to the point of like they're looking at everything that's really popular and pulling like the most popular stuff from that. But since they're simply recreating it with no like, you know, actual recontextualization or twist on it, it just feels hollow. Right. I think it's fine to recreate something especially if it's popular because audiences will be familiar with it and you don't mm -hmm. have to teach it to them, right? Using, for example, the backpack inventory from Saints and Sinners, if it's exactly the same, well, like, you don't need to innovate on an inventory interface if yeah. it's not essential to your game. Like, that's that's fine. But I think the two points where it really falls down is why are you copying it, right? If you're If you're just putting it in, but it's not supporting the core play aesthetic of your game, it's not contributing to the user experience in the same direction that the rest of your elements are contributing that's bad and if you copy it but you fail to hit the same level of tuning and polish that the original mechanic had then like it, it will stand out like a sore thumb because players are expecting a certain thing and that was really what i noticed in a lot of places was the mechanical tuning the, the actual numbers behind the behavior in game was off on almost everything one particular example is the force pull was far too difficult to target the actual object that you were intending to target it was you had to be far too precise yeah um whether it be i don't know how exactly they're doing the detection for like what you want to force pull but uh and if you if you are not familiar with star wars we're talking about telekinesis we're talking about the ability to like look at something reach your hand out from like five feet away it highlights and then you i think in this game you like pull your index finger in like you hold the trigger in and then you yank it I, I, yeah. I think it's that one. It feels very not intuitive for some, like, there's something in Half-Life Alex that makes it feel intuitive. I'm pretty sure it's like you do it with grips instead, or you do yeah. it with your whole hand, or it gives you the leverage to do it with your whole hand. In this game, it is, they don't have those invisible considerations. They simply, it feels like they simply saw the mechanic, recreated it, and maybe didn't <clears throat> actually spend time with it, or like, didn't sit down to understand and, you know, why does this work? What little details make it work? It's simply this mechanic is here. Therefore, it works. And that's kind of like, I guess, I I totally agree on the issue with the backpack. Like when you are developing a game, you really need to pick and choose your battles, especially as the scope gets bigger. So you can't innovate on every little thing for a game like this, where only two people are making it. It's obviously like trying to be something bigger than like what two people make but just those extra considerations aren't there and i guess like something with 
regarding the like backpack and just the inventory system in general it just seems like right now i don't know like the big resident evil style storage box plus the walking dead saints and sinners backpack yeah it's just like all all of these things i'm like okay i get it like i i'm a gamer i've seen these mechanics but why do they feel like i'm just playing some like frankenstein of a game i guess like really the the issue i see the core issue is that none of the development decisions are made with intent right it's not like why are we adding in scavenging like in in half-life alex the fact that you had to scavenge for ammo and other equipment in the environment had a specific design purpose, right? It made you engage with the world and it had a pacing element and it allowed them to dynamically control how much ammo you had and health. And mm-hmm. like it had all these roles that it was playing and contributing to the player experience that they were trying to hit. Here, I'm not even sure what they're intending the player to experience like is it is it supposed to be horror is it supposed to be just action going through blast and robots like it you know you played it you're like this is has like a resident evil vibe i don't know if that's what they were going for yeah I, I could talk a little bit on that like what i meant by i got really like resident evil fo- vibes while playing through it was Okay, first off, basically, like, you you see the facility or the big corpo name, and it gives off, like, big umbrella vibes. You're, like, you're walking down, like, the tutorial hallway, and the Red Queen, but in this case, it's, like, some blue hologram woman. Like, she's popping up and describing, like, oh, all this shit's going wrong. The corpo is experimenting on humans, but now the, now the human experiment has gone wrong. Cough, cough, T-virus outbreak. And now we got to send you into the facility to, like clean it out and make sure nobody knows what went down and i'm like oh that's cool so i'm like leon s kennedy so i had that kind of cool somewhat horror but mostly corporate espionage slash like i don't know i just had like that kind of mixture of like okay this is going to be sort of action horror with probably layers of cheese like i was maybe allowing wiggle room from my own past history and actually that's probably what they want like it's now kind of just clicking with me. Like, as I was vibing with this game initially, yeah, at, at least initially it was giving me, like, say, Resident Evil 4-ish vibes or somebody trying to recreate something between Resident Evil 4 and, like, 2. But, uh, yeah, that I think that definitely shifted towards the more Half-Life Alex, uh, especially in level design, it shifted towards Half-Life Alex. So I, I can certainly see how a lot of the elements could play into that particular fantasy, right? If you have a backpack inventory and you're scavenging the environment and there's a crafting element and like all this stuff. Shambling kind of zombie-like enemies. Right. It could all build into that. But that requires like a specific eye towards that intent and very specific tuning. Yeah. And, and not just numerically, but in terms of the environments, right? The environments have to make a certain amount of sense and, like, have to be interesting to engage with visually and tactilely. And if you're not doing that, then the scavenging doesn't work, then the inventory is useless, then you're not strapped for ammo and supplies, so you're not going to engage with the crafting. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it will all fall apart. If you are not constantly working to get all the mechanics to work together to create the play experience that you want. Now, 
To argue in the opposite direction, right? Games often feel like shit until the very end. That is just the truth. Is like mm-hmm. in a lot of production, like it's at the end where it all comes together because all the developers, they're professionals and they can see, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? And they're tuning, tuning, tuning. And then right at the end, bam, okay. It's, it's all working together. Good. The designers did their job. So there's an argument that could be made that, hey, this is a, clearly an early demo. You know, they've got their mechanics in and they haven't tuned them up yet, which is a fair argument. But I think at a certain level, you don't implement this many things without at least taking the time to make sure that they feel good. I don't know. My other side, I think, to your argument is like, why even put out a demo at this point? Like, yes, there is something playable there, but like it clearly needed some more time in the oven baking before it like came out to be like taste tested by a lot of people. Right. I would not be comfortable putting out something of this quality to the public. Um, And the fact that they did sort of tilts towards the it's just checking off boxes as development rather than really driving towards this particular experience goal. Like if it's the publisher or whoever is maybe it's the developers themselves are coming in with, yeah, and we want the Saints and Sinners backpack and we want the Alex Force pull and we want Boneworks Locomotion. Well, with that mindset, the moment you get Boneworks Locomotion working, check that box off. Doesn't matter that the ladder climbing is super springy and you need to tune that dampening down or that the crouching under diagonal ceilings it force crouches you and now you're standing but you're crouched and but then you can also crouch again and or double crouch and as far as i know there's no crouching state at least like the second time i played through when i was trying to pull down on the thumbstick i didn't just stay crouched i would spring back up right and it's also like a smooth thing but it's very slow which feels weird yes there's like a bunch of and of course the force pull is is quite difficult so there's a bunch of like little issues that if the developers were really playing in headset and like playing their game regularly should be like wow we can't put this out like this is super rough and to be fair to uh, like we mentioned these are two developers a two developer studio we don't know like how fresh the game dev they are um so i don't want to be like too too harsh on them um but I will say that, like, yeah, I do think this game, or at the very least the demo itself, going to our previous episode where we talked a bit on, like, sequestering off part of the game and really, really, like, making that good, that should have happened here. I don't feel like that happened here. I feel like a demo level was put together, sure, but I don't think it was hardened and iterated on on, to make it, like, maximal fun. To go to what Matt keeps saying, it feels like everything was sort of like, okay, checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. Like, um, I get to this one section where there's a pit with electrical stuff and then a, a, a robot zombie on the other side of it. And I remember we were talking about it and there are two paths. I think you had thought there was one path and I thought I had seen a vent. So the second time I played through, I actually looked and there was a vent to get through. So at this gap, you have two options. And this is where they're trying to copy, say, like Boneworks more so than Alex is with the like free level design sort of thing. 
but I guess there's three. Like, you could attempt to jump over the gap. Uh, there are some electrical cords and to your top right that you could, like, reach out and grab if you, like, climb up the wall. And then there's a vent that you can, like, walk through on the left side. So you got, like, the forward path, the right path, and the left path. Yeah, I thought that area was one of the better moments in the level. I agree. The, the problem <laughs> with the left and right paths are... The right path shimmying along the wires is like a tad too springy and the grab detection is like not 100% there yet. So it, it's very easy to drop yourself or you have to do the kind of uh, artificial act of waiting to hear your hand make some sort of like sticky glue sound. <laughs> you know, like you're holding the grip on the controller and you're just like, okay, hand, detect the detect the ledge anytime now. And then it's like and it like snaps onto it. The other problem is where the crouch doesn't have an actual crouch state. And when I'm going through the vent, my vision is jittering up and down rapidly because, and I'm going so slow because my character is constantly trying to stand up and it's just butting up against the top of the vent. Really, there, there's a long way to go here in terms of both the, the, like the level design and the enemy and like encounter design within the levels and how the artistic direction of the game and the narrative design of the game play into the level design. Because, like, a lot of the spaces were very large, like, too large and open, and the encounter design was like, here's one enemy. Or there was, like, one room where it was like, put you in a big empty room. All right, here's a bunch of enemies. And they're all slower than you, and they all just walk towards you. Yeah, I want to dive into this a little bit, actually, because, like... It doesn't it doesn't necessarily grind my gears, but it's just like there's so many just little bullet point notes that would make things better. You know, just like small note on the levels in general, like Matt, you brought up the level design and the encounter design. Yeah, the encounter design is always just like uh, enemies don't like really dynamically enter an area. They're always pre-populated. So you turn a corner. Oh, okay. Five meters ahead of you is like a shambling or just a standing around robo zombie. If you enter this massive room, this big L-shaped room that you're basically like connect it's you're walking on a catwalk or whatever that connects like two or three big different areas and there's literally like one robo zombie every 30 plus meters or like more it's just so scarcely populated it just feels like an encounter again rushed like there wasn't an actual encounter design unless the design was as simple as oh the player is going to get spooked out when they turn the corner and see you know two shamblers who aren't going to hurt them because they have infinite ammo since we put that in the demo and you know the shamblers can't do much and the only room where there's actually any sort of mild difficulty is the massive room with no obstacles that they then put a buttload of these sh slow shamblers in and it's like it's like i don't i don't get it like what are you trying to achieve here it's like it's again all it's all like rushed right if i were to give some minor pointers to the general encounters it would be like hey it one have enemies like dynamically show up they don't need to like crawl in through the vents or whatever but like damn have a fucking robot the first robot you see like drop down in front of you onto the floor or something um if you are like turning the corner for an enemy then like i don't know have the enemy like right there so it's like more of like a ah! or 
set up the lighting in a way that shows the shadow of that enemy poking out from the corner that you're like approaching right so i now have this like sinister foreshadowing if you're gonna have a big room encounter where a you know a shambling horde of enemies comes at me which we have done at least once or twice in walking dead onslaught then don't just send them all in one direction like one that's boring it's boring because like the player sees their entire you know their entire encounter right in front of them in a very like easy to deal with cone the only reason that that has any friction is because i fumble with reloading the gun in this game and also when you go to try and like double grip the gun more often than not your other hand your offhand pulls the fucking clip out of the bottom of the gun but that's a whole different issue Mm -hmm. we're gonna focus just on the encounters here so with this big encounter of like you know 10 plus walkers coming straight at you from the front by the way split that group up dog maybe turn it into three groups man have have me take on group one for for like a little bit maybe immediately have group two show up behind me so it flushes me into the big ass room that you want me to be in and then have the third group start fucking petering in from the different elevators you got in the room have the third group peter in from like a different entrance way just make things happen present the story like we were talking about in the last episode Damn, ah, I don't, I like where, I like where this game could go, okay? I'm not trying to be extra harsh and critical to y'all. You've, you've got me like passionate, which means I am having some degree of fun. You heard that I was like, oh, this is kind of like Resident Evil-y. I can like have some fun here. You got me bought into a little bit of fantasy. And now I want to see that pulled to fruition, which is why I'm so passionately trying to tell you how to make it fun. You mentioned the, like, diegetic level selection. There's kind of, like, this sort of big, empty level area, a la, say, Boneworks or Apex Construct. You know, the helicopter's in the background. You go into a lobby. You have your Resident Evil item box, and you have your kind of map of Sorta Japan, which is your mission selection screen. And basically, this room, it's like the size of, like, a high school cafeteria or something like that. It's a big frickin' room. But there's only like two points of functionality in there. And they're kind of in the same corner, which means all the player activity and navigation is going to be heavily weighted towards that corner. Granted, it's a demo. There could be other functionality coming to like different parts of the thing. I think there is actually like a screen somewhere uh, on a different wall that says like, you know, coming after the demo. That being said, that still weighted it all to like one part of the room. Do not have empty space in your menu. Like I know on paper sounds cool or feels cool to be like, yeah, you're going to be in a big room. Isn't big room cool? But it's so boring if there's nothing to do in there or if I'm always going to big room and going to one corner of the room to do my whatever have you. With Stormland, they try to mitigate this by having like different like huts in their hub level that you go to to perform different things. The issue with that is uh, depending on you know, how often players are going to these stations, it will be annoying to have to like run back and forth. Um, so that was actually something that like I had to think about, consider and work around when designing the like main menu level for Walking Dead Onslaught is like, how much are players going to have to walk around? You know, what are our points of interest? What functionality do we need? Like how many seconds is too long to walk essentially? And in the overall flow of the game, like when you complete a level, like where are you going to have to go? Like, you know, can we move that 
station closer to you. So it's not as much walking if you're doing it as often. And, you know, this, that, and the third. And that's all to say, like, hey, take another look at your levels when you're making them big uh when you are like hey it would be cool to have a traversable main menu yes i agree developer that is a cool idea go for it but really be concise like start small and then like breathe out Oh, yeah. So that was. I, just, I'm so sorry, man. That was. I was like. I was just holding that menu shit in. No, I. You know, I had similar thoughts about the menu, uh, but in the sense of you walk into that room and there are a lot of panels on the wall mm-hmm. or like machines in the room that look really important. Uh, there's like blinking lights and they look really cool and I want to touch them and interact with them, and they're just set dressing. This is something that's extra important in VR is you need to focus the player attention and signal what's interactable. And a great example of this is the the scanners in the level and you actually got Oh my god, this. the and scanners. I, and I had to tell right. you what the answer okay, was. Okay, so scanners, I just want to preface for the people who haven't played this demo yet. Like the scanners are basically your sci-fi like hold your eyes, hold your face to this or hold your hand on the blue surface. So it goes beep 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 and scans you in like oh, but but there is also an additional like ID card scanner or something. So there's two scanners. There's and they're both in the same room. There's one scanner at the end that's a hand scanner, but the door that it's linked to is like not powered initially. Mm-hmm. And then there's a second scanner that it almost looks identical. I don't know if it's actually the same model, but really the only way to tell it apart is there's some like text. There's like basically unreadable text on it. And that is an ID scanner where you have to find an ID card and wave it over top of that scanner. I found the ID scanner first and thought it was a hand scanner. Yeah. I tried to put my hand on it. Didn't work. So that's a great example of like you have to communicate what the type of interactivity is. I guess that's really just classic design, right? It's signifiers and affordances. Form and function. Yeah. Like, okay, so... I say form and function because the art asset being used, I feel like it was the same asset, like the same scanner asset. And it had three different forms attached to it that displayed like three different functionalities. If my memory serves me right, the hand scanner thing was the same machinery that had the like goggles look into this for a retinal scan and the ID tag slot next to it. But none of these are specifically like modeled or called out in a way that says, hey, this is my function. Hey, this is the form you should pay attention to. It's the same just square silhouette on every wall. And now you have the guess. Do I need to bop it? Do I need to twist it? Do I need to pull it? And the toy is not talking back to you. In addition to all the interactable elements, not clearly guiding the player's interaction, there's also the issue of not even realizing that something is interactable to begin with. And a lot of games solve this by having artistic direction where like all the things you can grab are yellow or whatever. We've seen that in a lot of games. Um, And so in, in this there's levers that are deeply important for you to pull and they just kind of look like all the other machinery that's around that's just set dressing. It's something where it feels 
rushed. It feels like the developers yeah. are trying deeply to get down the list of things that they need to do, and they, they're not giving themselves the time or they're not being given the time to, to consider it. Yeah, exactly. That's my whole problem with this demo is like everything, the demo itself feels rushed. Like the more we talk about it, the I guess like less hopeful I'm getting for this game. But at the same time, us like voicing all these things and, you know, hopefully these two developers, you know, get really good feedback and can shape the game up, give it more time and care, because that's certainly what this game needs. It needs every element needs at least double whatever time was put into it so far. Like, if you want something to be good, if you guys want to sell, like, a whole bunch of games, granted, you know, that publisher is selling games based on these, like, simulator titles that are done in, you know, XYZ fashion that blow up on Twitch, but these guys are making a whole different thing. This team is making a different type of experience, a different type of game, and they really need to put in the, like, elbow grease to, like, make that game stand out. My recommendation to the developers would be to take some time and focus on what they have in the game and even potentially taking this demo level and reworking it until it hits a true like vertical slice quality yeah. bar where it's at a point that is shippable. And that goes for both the level design and the art direction and the narrative as well as the encounter design and all the tuning on what's already in there, right? Im improve the climbing, improve the throwing, improve the force pulling, make the holsters and the reloading less annoying to deal with, make grabbing detection better, etc. Um, you know, the head stabbing is actually pretty good. I think they, they got that tuned pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I did not really find many times to use it, though. So going back to the whole, mm -hmm. like, you know, tell a story or make a progression in your demo. I think there's only one point where they, like, force you to stab a robot. And that's in the tutorial area where it's like, hey, here are two, you know, deactivated robots. Go ahead and use your knife and stab it. By the way, the knife throwing, I don't like how it feels one bit. I know throwing in VR is very hard. But when they were like, hey, flip your grip to throw the knife, I was like, I don't know. I was just expecting it to feel good. <laughs> but I never, yeah. ever, ever want to throw my knife in this game. Honestly, if you can't make that feel good, I feel like it should just be removed and like use that time to yeah. focus on different ways the stabbing and slashing could work. And if you don't want to really be a stabby slashy game, because, okay, let's go into why the stabby thing worked real quick. In The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, right, you have a lot of sort of stealth and loud weapons. Your knife or whatever melee weapon is typically your stealth weapon and you don't want a lot of walkers to hear you. So that's why you're sneaking up on these dudes and giving them like the head stabby. Now in this game Into the Darkness, you don't really have to worry about humanoid enemies around you with their own weapons hearing your commotion and coming after you. You don't have to worry about other walkers as much you don't have to worry about special infected like overwhelming you due to the amount of noise you're making so there really is not much reason and also there's like no stamina system that's part of the kind of horror that comes into the survival horror aspect of the walking dead saints and sinners is like if i make noise and more walkers come i'm not going to have enough stamina to run away or or break from them that is not present in this game so using the knife is really pointless to me 
largely the only reason I liked using it is because it felt familiar and it felt kind of good like, you know, it did in Walking Dead. But outside of like a isolated demo chamber purpose, it doesn't make sense within the game. So like in order to improve that, they would have to make the AI more sensitive to noise potentially or make it very dangerous to be surrounded by these walkers. And then now if you're limited on ammo, you're going to want to go in for the knife, but you have to be careful about how you use the knife because you don't want to get surrounded. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, yes, with the knife and the gun, you know, in whatever order is like start you with nothing. That's part of the fear, right? That's the start of Resident Evil 2. You have nothing. You can't fight. You need to walk around or run around the walkers, the robots, the zombies, whatever's there. You need to walk around them, get to a safe area. Then you get a knife, right? I'm t- I'm giving you tips on your demo right now. Like, just write this shit. <laughs> you get the knife. Now you have a little bit of, to defend yourself. Now you got to navigate new hallways, tight spaces that make you have to get close enough to use your knife, right? And then maybe at some point you need to use your knife as a utility as opposed to a weapon to open a new section. That new section then gives you gun. Then you bring gun into new areas and you have a progression. Please, 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 please listen to this and like just put in the effort, bros. Just put in the effort. I believe in you. I think you can do it. I want this. I want this dope two person development team underdog story to like be one of those internet sweetheart like rise to fame stories. I'm getting like more and more just like there's no hope. I'm just getting frustrated. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just it's got that playway feel where normally if you've got a niche in the market, then people are okay with a certain level of mm-hmm. jank, right? Like if you're the only one putting out drug dealer simulator, then people who want to play drug dealer simulator, they're going to be okay with a certain level of unpolished gameplay. Right. But VR is different in the sense that any jank, any friction in the experience is like multiplied by a hundred because it's no longer just this game that's being weird. It's like the world that you're in is behaving badly. And then also the the quote niche that they're targeting is people who liked Boneworks and Half-Life Alex, which is like not a niche. Yeah. That's like <laughs> a, a huge market segment. And Half-Life Alex is super polished. And P- Boneworks is, you know, has its level of jank. But like the people who liked those games are not going to stand for a super unpolished VR game. Right. Because at this point, you know, Half-Life Alex can be modded. It is getting modded. People can play new levels for it. They can even make their own levels or, you know, replay a well-polished game. This is like going into the action-adventure market, like seeing Uncharted and being like, oh, I think I could jump into that and make uh, another one of those. (laughs) And then, like, I don't know, you, like, try putting it together and you put out something, like, more akin to, like, a game loft version of Uncharted. And it's, like, obviously there are very differing qualities here. So there was actually an additional thing I wanted to mention with the big room featuring the scanners. 
you know, the scanner that you got to like put your hand on and the ID card. This is sort of the last room of the demo, more or less. Once you open up the gates, uh, you go down a hallway and that's it. That's the end of the demo. When I was in that room, the first time I played through it, it felt like the most open, maybe Boneworks-ish type, meaning freedom of exploration, right? Like if I could find some shelves, I could jump, grab, mantle over them. And eventually I made my way onto like the I-beams and the, and you know, the vents or the scaffolding that were at the very top layer of this big room. And I was like, oh, this is great. Actually, like doing the platforming and the amount of options that I had that I could sort of clearly read were platforming options to like reach these places. That felt cool. Actually, like reaching those places had like no value or reward besides the value being primarily like, oh, I'm seeing the level from a different vantage point. It's not like, oh, there's a collectible just randomly really up high here. And if I figure out how to make it, I'll find that Easter egg or that collectible. If there's a player that's curious, they are going to like follow the rabbit hole to its conclusion. And that conclusion needs to be like a pot of gold or a treat or something. And uh, that's just not present in this game. I understand it's a demo, but again, bake it more, iterate on it, show it as an actual vertical slice. Don't show it as a like tech demo. That's what this feels like. It just feels like an amalgamation of tech demos. It doesn't feel like a vertical slice of a game. There are a plethora of small things you can do featured in this episode that will maybe help that get better. Or at the very least, it will help to give you some idea of like what players are thinking when they play your game. As we said last episode, the point of a demo is to give the player a taste of the game, to get them interested, to make them want to buy it or wishlist it, which means it has to meet certain expectations. Uh, it has to put them through a progression, give them an arc of experience. A tech demo, at least now in the current VR market, does not serve to alight interests in the hearts of your players. So this is not effective as a demo. This is a demo that could show a lot of promise, but currently, since it is a ineffective demo of the potential, we are just left with this 30-minute hodgepodge of different tech that could be fun if actually developed. Revisit the level design, iterate on the artistic direction, maybe cut some features, Tune everything so that the kinesthetics of all the actions that you're doing feel good and you're not fumbling to do basic actions in the game. And focus in on making interesting enemy encounters with what you have. Just polish and iterate until you've actually got something that is close to shippable, until you actually have a true vertical slice. And then continue on with main development. And for God's sake, play your game in the headset for an hour a day. An hour in the headset a day keeps the critics away. <laughs> I really like that. If you liked this episode of Head Mounted Destinations, please share it with your friends. Word of mouth really helps us out. To get notified about new episodes, go to headmountedpodcast.com and sign up for our email list. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, visit our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you at the next Head Mounted Destination. Destination.